Living in the rising sun, the land of bamboo, Tengu, and Gundam like Yo, can't believe I finally made it, Matsuri celebrated Golden Week, hold it down with my show Post John Sensei, and today, like every day, I'm breaking down the world's best language in well, not five minutes less. Today, I'm doing my interview with my good friend Lindsay from Lindsay Learns Language or Lindsay Does Languages. She's a blogger, YouTuber, and all-around language fanatic. I don't know if I can say that. Language learner, and she's joining me today to talk a little bit about uh, language in general and language learning. She's a master polyglot and has some awesome tips and helps for us to improve not only our Japanese, but any language you could be learning. Lindsay, why don't you go ahead and give yourself a quick introduction and tell people who you are. Hello. Oh, thank you. I mean, that was that was a pretty good introduction. Um, but yeah, you're right. I'm Lindsay from Lindsay Does Languages. So my ordeal is I help people learn languages better on their own. And then also people that want to start teaching languages online as well. So there's the learner side and teacher side. So yeah, it's really just about inspiring independent learners and teachers to go further when doing it solo. Right, right. So I think I think that's really useful. So if you are into learning languages, you have to check her out on YouTube. That's where I initially found Lindsay. She's got loads of course information, everything from learning. We talked about this a little bit before the podcast, learning Wolf to learning Japanese to learning Korean. I mean, she's got she's got videos from that span from language stories to all the way to um, why you should or should not learn a language, which I th found very very helpful. But um, if someone when we were talking a little bit before as well about when people start learning language, and I kind of want to take it from there a little bit. When people start learning a language, they tend to kind of get almost information overwhelmed. They get, I had a friend that went and just got everything he had. He got all the Japanese books and he got all the Japanese courses. He bought, you know, Japanese Pod 101 and got the Jammer books by, you know, Discover Nihongo. And he got, you know, all the fun stuff. But then he uh, he didn't learn the language. And he just kind of mm. got information overwhelmed. How do, you, how do you avoid information overwhelm? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's very easy because it's almost like a human tendency, isn't it? To yeah. feel like, okay, if, if I get the stuff, then I'm going to be able to speak the language. It's the same with, with like food and diet and exercise. You mm. know, every January people go out and they'll buy all the new gear and the new equipment in their house and then, ah, it's a bit cold out. I'm not going yeah. to go out today. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just sits there and gathers dust. And it's the same for, for languages. And I think one of the ways to avoid it is to really... First of all, find something that you enjoy. So actually, before you kind of invest lots and lots of money, especially, you know, in, right. in language, more so than time, I think it's important to, to think about what you enjoy. And if, if you're learning a language for the first time, you're not going to know. So allow yourself a bit of a grace period where you can experiment. Right. You can try tons of apps. You can go to the bookshop and flick through everything and just see like, oh, this one's fun, but that one's eh, a bit boring. Put that back, you know, and you can have a bit of a play before you get everything and then you're thinking, where do I begin? Because right. the other thing is as well, chances are so much of that stuff, if you were to just get it all, is going to start from the same point of zero. Right. And so if you were to use one book or one course or one app or something and build your way up to a certain level and then think, oh, I should have, I should really spend some time with that because that one cost me a lot of money. And you go over there and, oh, it's just the same again, the you same. know. So I think just really focusing in on what you enjoy Keeping it simple, don't worry about having everything. There is no one way to learn a language, which means there's no one right way to learn a language. The only right way is what's right for you. Right. I mean, a lot of people will go and 
at least from my experience, when I first started learning Japanese, I, I wanted to really learn it, but I, I luckily was smart enough to take a little bit of a grace period, but I was also somewhat thrown into the language. I was sent to Japan to do some work for two years, and they're like, good luck, learn the language. And I'm like, awesome, and I had like two books, and I was like, okay, I need to learn this language. And so I just plowed into this one grammar book, and this grammar book did not work for me for the first three months. I mean, I could do like basic stuff, but that was, I learned, you know, how to introduce myself, not from the grammar book that I was like vigorously pounding, but I was, I, I, I learned that I'm a lot more better with audio. I can, I right. hear something, repeat it, shout out their accent and move on. And that helped me exactly. a lot more than trying to cram through a grammar book. But some people do that and it works great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the thing. This is the thing. And there is, there's no definitive, like, do this. You'll be fluent. There you are. Have fun, you know. And and I think that's part of the process is having those three months with that grammar book for you and thinking, you know what, this is a bit dull. I'm not really learning anything here, but I am still progressing. How's that happening? Oh, it's audio. You know, it's just listening to people talk in the street, whatever. Right. And you know that works for you, so you can kind of take that and run with it. Leave the grammar book behind, <laughs> and and go from there. Yeah, that's what it's all about in those first early stages. Yeah, I think it's and I think it's so difficult to first find. I mean, it took me it took me those three months. Then I learned, you know, there are resources in audio that help me learn, and then I found resources to help me learn grammar as well. And that's why the reasons the podcast came about because there were very few good grammar, prescriptive grammar ways to you know teach Japanese, and so I tried to fill that hole. But I think there's also some good language resources out there and we and you mentioned a couple and I was hoping you can kind of go over those real quick with us what some of the things that you found um, useful for almost languages across the board mm. so for me I would say my kind of go-to when I first start a new language would be Memrise which is a really good vocab course app and website and what's nice about it is that it's using space repetition so you're not right. having to start from the beginning every single day even you go in it's just telling you okay this is the bit you need to practice now it's been a few days practice this bit now so that's really great and also you can create your own courses so even if you go on there and there's nothing useful or nothing at all for the language that you want to learn right. which is very unlikely because there's tons on there now Unless you can actually Wolf. create your own Wolf course. might have very few resources sorry unless you're studying something like Wolof, Wolof might have fewer resources <laughs> Yes, yes. And so, so something like that, I mean, a great place actually, because right now I'm learning Guarani, which is an indigenous language spoken in Paraguay and other parts of South America. But what's interesting is that in Paraguay, it's actually kind of 50-50 with, with Spanish. And so that really kind of struck me as, as curious. You know, how is it not the case that Spanish is like dominating and right. these indigenous languages are fighting for survival? Actually, you know, Guarani is doing all right. And that means that it's, it's a very widely spoken maybe like six million people speak this language wow. but those people learn it as in life <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> okay these people learn it in in life you know so there's not that many resources but a great place that i found um with some very <laughs> very kind of old school pdf copies of stuff is i think it's called livelingua.com and they have i think it's the peace Corps, the fsi and the eli or another you know, abbreviation, um, oh. all have these courses for various languages. So if you're thinking, where's the Duolingo course for this language? Where's right. the, the teach yourself book? Head over to there and see what you can find because chances are there'll be something. And sometimes audio as well, which is nice. But I didn't Perfect. have that for Guarani. That's been my tricky bit, gotcha. really, finding audio. So even, you know, even if you've got some stuff, there might be some stuff that's missing if you're learning a, a kind of lesser studied language. 
So you kind of got to really, that makes it easier, actually. If you're, if you're experiencing information overload, study a language where there's like there's very few <laughs> nothing out there. Study those ones. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but how support more than some of these general languages like Russian or Japanese or, uh, you know, Taiwanese, for example. Not Taiwan, maybe not Taiwanese, but like, you know, French. What, like where to begin? Yeah, so like, well, you, you, you meant there's a, you said there was like, there's italki, and there's memorize as well. Um, how do you how do you find dictionaries? Because I that's the Dictionary. one of the big problems that I I ran into when I when I was studying Japanese or Korean. Yeah, with with Japanese and Korean, I think I had a tuple like a paper physical uh -huh. dictionary, um, and then with most other languages I've studied, like I started in you know way back when with kind of romance languages, so French and Spanish, and then kind of going on from there. Right. And a lot of those are on um, wordreference.com. Gotcha. And so I've always found that really useful because I was very familiar with it from kind of doing my A-levels and exams, and I, you know, I knew my way around it. And that's been really useful. Um, but yeah, I wish there was like a kind of... <laughs> I was I was actually recording a podcast yesterday with, with my uh -huh. friend Kirsten Cable, who yeah. I co-host a podcast with it. And she was saying about this app idea for like a kind of sky scanner for dictionaries where gotcha. like you type in the word and it just picks up all the dictionaries from across the web and there you go. <laughs> You've got all together. these different variations in one place. The yeah. ultimate polyglot dictionary. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be crazy. I can imagine trying to like search through it. And they're, you're actually, you're quite interesting seeing all the different ones and how they look, how they seem similar or at least are pronounced similarly would be very interesting to kind of look at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... In, I I recently uh, was was thinking, you know, I was working through this one class at university, and I was thinking if there was just some pill I could take and just you know pop this pill, and I could you know suddenly Japanese would blossom in my mind, and I'd be you know suddenly peda peda, I'd be super f fluid in Japanese. But um, I don't think a pill's a, a good idea with with languages. I think it, it robs you of some of this opportunity. Could you speak to that a little bit? Would yeah, you take the, would you take the language pill if you could get it? No, because then there's no fun, right? If you can just speak it, there's no fun. Like I think part of part of the enjoyment of, of language learning is the the process, and it sounds a bit kind of hippie esque and a bit wishy washy to say like, <laughs> but enjoy the journey. You know, you should enjoy the journey right. because you're going to be doing it for a long time if you really want to get to that level that right. you would be at if you popped the language pill right right so so i think it's really important to to, to actually do that and, and one of the joys you know mistakes right it feels like that's terrifying i don't want to make mistakes i'm just gonna right. take the language pill and then it's done i never have to face those mistakes but they're gonna reinforce words they're gonna make you feel more confident because you're you know it takes a lot of, of guts to actually say something that you're not sure about you're not sure right. if it's correct you oh, know yeah. and uh so yeah i think it's 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 important to to enjoy that and, and the things that you learn as part of that process as well it's not just mm -hmm. words language is so much more you know you've got culture you've got music you've got food you've got people and customs and everything right. that is connected to language that you'll learn as as you're going along and as you're studying and I think that's one of the most kind of beautiful things about it like I'm uh -huh. I'm not one for kind of uh, like history for example uh -huh. I, I stopped history as soon as I could, because I didn't really enjoy history at school. Gotcha. But language learning for me is a great way to learn about the history of a oh, yeah. place. I can oh, connect yeah. with it through them. I can say, oh, you know, that's what these people spoke, and 
and this is the place that they built. That's amazing. You know, so I can use language as a way to learn more about the world in general as well. I think that's, I think that's completely right. I think robbing, that's, that's what eventually I came to is robbing myself of not, maybe not just the mistakes, but robbing myself of the funny experiences I had, robbing my, robbing myself of how I, how I learned that word, how I can, I mean, I used to play, you know, kanji games with my friends, and that's how I, that's how I learned kanji because there was so many of them to learn. And I wanted to do it in a way that made sense to me, so I, I played games with my friends, and we, we wrote them on the whiteboard and things like that. And I think if you took the la- if you took the language pill, it would not only become boring, but you'd lose that. I don't know. I'm proud to have learned, you know, this much of X language, and that means yes. a lot to me. It's part of something that I, it has shaped who I am now. Yeah, there's a connection that comes with it, right? The more you learn and the kind of deeper you go with the language, the more you feel connected to it. Yeah. And you don't get that if you just skip to the end. So guys, don't pop the language pill. If there comes out one, don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> Wonderful. So one thing I try to really talk to my audience about is making mistakes. I feel like um, in my experience and the experience of people that I know that have tried to learn the language or have learned the language is this over perfect. I think this particularly comes in with maybe grade school where, you know, you got to know the vocab words. And if you don't have the vocab words right on the sheet, then you get, you know, a bad grade and you don't want to get a bad grade. Mm. So how mm. do you overcome the, the break between I have to get these vocab words right and then actually using language? It's a very good question. And, and as I mentioned, I think mistakes are a huge, hugely, a hugely, hugely. important part, huge, <laughs> hugely important part of of language learning and it's not something that you can avoid if you're going to make progress right. you know every every mistake that you make either you're going to get corrected or you're going to get laughed at maybe let's be honest yes so that's kind of unlikely if you get laughed at you can laugh at yourself with whoever's laughing at you so yes. just take it on the chin it's all good um but what I, my, my point is that that's gonna take you closer right and even if that mistake doesn't get corrected that time around Right. So I wanted to give you a pause because that was a loud truck. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. Even if that um, mistake doesn't get corrected that time round, you've actually used the language. You know, I used right. to, I think probably around about the time when I was learning a little bit of Korean, um, uh-huh. and I would use like Instagram and, and Snapchat to say, right, okay, I'm going to make five mistakes today. And I'd, I'd sit there and I'd say, right, okay, um, so da, 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 I want to, I've been learning this, I want to practice this. And I'd right. just speak. And I just record myself speaking, watch myself back instantly and think, Uh huh, "Huh, that's definitely wrong. (laughs) Or I think that's wrong. You know, and you kind of get this self-assessment as well, which is an important aspect. Yes, it is. And even if I didn't spot every single mistake, Uh the whole point of that was I was speaking much more than I would have done if I hadn't set myself that mistake goal, if you like, right? Right. And so I found that to be a really useful part of the process. In terms of overcoming the fear of it, try... First of all, try doing it privately. It doesn't have to be public. You know, right. no one needs to know, <laughs> right? No, no one needs so, to know. Yeah, yeah. So just try kind of like speaking to yourself, even if at first it's in your head and uh-huh. you're just repeating things that you think are correct in your head and you're uh-huh. asking yourself, oh, wait a minute, that word's wrong. Okay, let's go back. Okay. You know, then try doing it out loud on your own. You right. know, no one's going to think you're crazy. It's all good. And then you can, and then that's going to increase your confidence then, you know, to begin to actually try it with, people and it can be really scary to to do that it can to just kind of go out to like boom i'm gonna go to a language meetup and i'm just gonna speak and i don't care about my mistakes (laughs) 
that's really terrifying for a lot of people and I get that so something like I think hello talk which is an app that's like language exchange and you can record voice messages as well as text and stuff I think that's really useful as well because that's kind of like the middle you know step up before having to do that like out into the <laughs> like to put yourself out before you put yourself out there yeah into the firing line yeah yeah <laughs> so what 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 do you do any self-talk at all before you go and try try to actually speak this new language that you've been studying to people like what do you usually think of when you're about to walk up to whatever situation you're putting yourself in because i imagine you probably put yourself in a certain situation before what, what do you how do you mentally go over that so well, it varies on the situation. If I'm going to go and speak to someone about something, right, even uh-huh. now, right, so right now I'm, I'm in, in um, Cusco and Peru at the moment. Right. I, Spanish is fine for me. Like I've been in it for like 15 plus years, whatever. Right. But even now I still think just, you know, if I'm, if I'm about to approach like a ticket booth or whatever, uh-huh. in my head I still have that little sentence go around before I say it sometimes. You know, right. so I still be like, oh, here's what I'm going to ask him. And it's a way I can make it better. And, you know, and it's still, I still say it to myself in my head first. And I don't know why. I don't think about it. It just kind of happens. Sometimes I'm just having a conversation and it's very natural and I'm not really thinking. Right, but that tends to be more in a comfortable situation. So, like, uh-huh. um, you know, earlier on in this trip, we were in Costa Rica and we, we met up with um, my kind of my Costa Rican family, as I could call them, who it's a family I stayed with like 10 years ago. I lived with this family for about three months. Right. And, you know, with them, no bother, no pre-thoughts, just talk away. I don't care if I make mistakes, doesn't right. matter. But sometimes, you know, if it's, if you feel like, okay, I don't know this person yet, I want to just assess, it, it still kind of just happens in my head, thinking about it, yeah. No, I think I think that's a very good thing. I th- think that kind of rings upon something that I, I, I think language learners do as well. It's very good. Is as soon as you kind of get that practice and you run that over in your head, I think that almost starts happening automatically. I know there's been mm-hmm. I, I can't think of a time that didn't really not happen when I you know I'm I'm walking to X place going to do a thing, and I, I see something and think what is that? How do I how would I say that? When, I, when I'm about to yeah. go to, whether it's to talk to a friend even, or if it's just to talk to a teacher, that running it over my head is, I, 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 find, I find a voice to say it. Especially when I hear it said a different way, then it'd be like, okay, yeah, and I put that, yes. you can put that away for later use. They say it like this. I, I said it like this. Especially when they repeat yeah. it back to me, which is wonderful when they actually do that. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's, ama- it's amazing how you almost start to mentally appraise what you need to do before you end up doing it. And I think it's actually a very, very useful skill. Mm. And and I think as well, it's like you say, it's a very natural thing because I think it kind of goes beyond language. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not just thinking about what I'm going to say. I'm thinking about even in, in, in England, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go up, I'm going to say this sentence at the like food cart, whatever. Yeah. You know, I think so it's, there's, there's nothing wrong with having to go through that first because we, we tend to do that with all of our actions yeah. most of the time. Yeah, I think that's something that's been heavily induced by learning a language and having to you know think mm. about what we're going to say. Now, there's inevitably that time where you think about what you're going to say. You think, you know, I'm going to say, I want this. And you end up, like I had the experience I've mentioned on this podcast where um, – I went up to, I was at a restaurant and I was like, what am I going to say? I want this. I want chicken katsu. I want chicken filet. And I, the server came over and I was like, please give me a child molester sandwich. Oh. <laughs> because they're so close. <laughs> and so, uh, 
he was, it was I, I made this silly mistake and luckily I was able to laugh at it because the kid who I was eating with he was a lot smarter than me and he's like uh he wants a chicken sandwich and then the server looked relieved and you know they didn't have child molester in the back so it was kind of easy and <laughs> made him yeah. feel a little better and but uh what have you ever had those funny experiences where you said something that just sounded completely off and you and you, you end up being a funny experience yeah I, I think at the time it wasn't funny because I was in a I was supposed to be the adult in a room full of like 14 15 girls but that uh-huh. I was in Costa Rica same with that family I was working in a school and I was teaching English but they also had an English teacher so we'd kind of take it in turns you know sometimes she'd be at the front and I'd be like doing crowd control and then we'd swap whatever oh yeah and this one time she was teaching and I was sat next to this this boy who was like notoriously rowdy kid and uh, and he and he stood up and he starts talking and I, I told him to sit down and he just looked at me and then I realized I didn't tell him to sit down I told him to touch himself oh no <laughs> <laughs> so that was an awkward one <laughs> he just looked at me turned around and went Teacher, they used to call me teacher. They said, teacher said, da, 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 da. and then you know, sort of said it in Spanish, what I said to all the other kids. And then a little group started laughing. It was like a ripple effect across the room. So that was embarrassing. Not not funny at the time, but funny to look back on. Yeah, I think it's a little hard in the moment. I felt I felt embarrassed too. But you know, it, when you look when you look back on it, I mean, those those were some of my favorite experiences, just because I, I like exactly. laughing at myself. I guess it makes me it makes me. I think humor is an easy way to overcome making mistakes, and I because I make mistakes all the time, and I'm okay with that. I mean, yeah. it's it's. Um, I was recently reading a, a book, and it was this gentleman was um, he offered a prize to a, a group of students. I believe it was at Stanford. I want to say Stanford or Princeton, and he said if you contact the first person to contact the most um, intelligent or most you know famous person, I think it was a famous person they could, yeah. And they, uh, this whole group of students, none of them, none of them were able to contact a famous person at Stanford. He gave him two weeks, and not, not a single person did it. The next year, he he went back, um, told, did the same thing, but he told them that last year that not a single person did it, and that if they could even just get a cheap voicemail or text message that had said, you know, Bill Clinton on it, that it would have worked, because it would have right. been some minor proof. And within 21 hours, he had 14 messages in his inbox of people who had contacted everyone from ex-presidents to movie stars. Wow. And he said the main difference was, well, there were, he's like, he took the two classes and he said, he's like, what, what was such a big difference? You know, had 21 responses versus no responses. He thought maybe it was their academic record. First group had a lot more academics. He thought it was, maybe, maybe it was um, connections. No, some of the people in the first group were a little more connected. So he looked a lot more deep into it, and he found it was trigger finger. Mm-hmm. The people in the second group were willing to more willing to put themselves out there because all I need to do is this, if I just get this little thing, that's all that matters. I, I get the if I just say this in our in our aspect here, speaking of language, if I just said that one word, then yeah. it would have worked. Yeah. And the, all, yeah. It, all it came down to is trigger finger. I think that's it as well with mistake. It's just that little, like, if, if you've got a whole sentence, especially, especially something like British English, right. you know, if you're going to go into a restaurant and ask, excuse me, could I please see the menu? That's a lot of words. That is. Right? You, you don't need that. You can just say menu or you have menu, you know, and oh, yeah. you'll get your point across. So I think that's another thing with mistakes is 
we often overcomplicate it, especially, you know, when you're trying to think in your own language. Okay, so I want to go into this restaurant and I want to say, excuse me, could I please see the menu? I don't know how to say that in Japanese. Ah, ah, panic. Can't do it. Right. Right. But maybe I know the word for menu. So I can go in and smile and show that I don't know, you know, I don't know how to say this properly, but menu, you know, <laughs> and you're going to get what you want. You know, nine times out of ten, that will that will be enough. Oh, yeah. My wife's a master at this. When we go to restaurants in Japan, we'll go to Japan and she, she my wife speaks very little Japanese. She doesn't necessarily care to learn Japanese. She likes uh, French and she likes Korean and she likes Chinese. And so she's fine with that. But she'll go to a restaurant. She's mastered the pointing to object on the menu and going, Kore, kudasai. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Kore, this, please. <laughs> yeah. And they'll just look at my and sweet little blonde wife and they're like, okay, and they bring her the food and she's like, look what I did. I don't have to speak anything. Like, I'm just like, all right, yeah. lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting. Like, this this year, um, like I said, like, I speak Spanish. My husband, who I'm traveling with, has been learning Spanish along the way. Uh-huh. And, like, to kind of see the progress that he's made and then, and and this is the other thing, because I'm looking at it from the outside. Right. So I can see the progress he's made, but he can't always see that progress. So right. I'm having to say, like, you realize that you just went off without confirming with me how to ask for it first, right? You know, you, you know, you just did that. <laughs> oh yeah, I suppose I did. <laughs> and that's that's the thing when we're when we're thinking about ourselves, we're very insular. We don't we don't always recognize our progress in the same way. Right. You know. So yeah, I think that's it's, it's worth um, kind of documenting in some way your you progress so that you can kind of go back and think, oh, I feel like I've learned nothing. Okay, here's a video of me speaking three months ago. Wow, I was terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Just because that can be I, really wish, I wish I could have seen that progress. I, I could have you know gone back. Yeah. I, I can see it's. I mean that's why I like teaching language now. I mean that's why you connect with it as well. But seeing these people who are back where you were. You know, mm-hmm. however long ago. I mean, that the word for sensei, teacher in Japanese, just literally means one who's ahead of you. Yeah. And so you can kind of look back and see, okay, that's, I, I know what you're going through. It's okay. These are difficult conjugations, but uh, let's simplify it down. And you can kind of connect them in that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's really important as a, as a teacher as well. To, to kind of keep learning because, yeah. you know, like you say, one step ahead, right? But, right, right. <laughs> but also I think it's, it's, it's good to kind of keep your toes in the water and to keep understanding that feeling that people are going through. Yeah. Definitely. And it, that, again, comes back to how we view the world, which I believe is through stories, whether it's the stories of where this language came from or whether it's, you know, your own, whether it's your own language story where you're slowly building your vernacular or just slowly building your lexicon. And just slowly building your language proficiency. I, I, I mean, I look back to myself, you know, eight years ago or whenever I started studying Japanese and think, dang, that kid didn't know much. But I, I was so happy that I, I, I was able to grow when I made – I'm still growing. And there's still plenty of things that I'm, uh, I'm learning, that's for sure. But it's, it's amazing seeing that progress. And that's why I like one of the projects that you're working on now with these, uh, with these language stories. And they're not always just, you know, saying for yourself, but they're also like – how language came to the world, or and you you know more about this. this is, these are your stories. How do you come across these wonderful <laughs> stories? Yeah, I mean it's it's a video and podcast series that we wanted to make during this year while we're while we're traveling in in Latin America and Southeast Asia, and it's it was really a chance. I didn't want it to be about about me, right? Because there's tons on my website every month. I, I talk about my goals. That's 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 my space, right? right? I wanted this to be about other people. I wanted to give a chance 
for other people to tell their own story. So uh-huh. it's based, each episode is either based around a place or a language, um, kind of depending on where we are and, and what we're finding and stuff. Uh-huh. So it was interesting, like the first couple of episodes in New York and Montreal, like I knew people, I had, I had a few connections who I could say, do you want to be in this, <laughs> in this brand new thing? Um, so that was really, really nice, really helpful to get started. But then as soon as we got to like Mexico, it was like, okay, now what? I know no one here. <laughs> what's right. what's going to happen? And uh, and it was it, it's become a really interesting process of like finding out. Okay, so here's a language that is spoken here, and let's check on like social media and, and the internet. Just typing in the language name and seeing who comes up. Right. Okay, I want to speak to this person. This person clearly knows a lot. And I mean that episode in 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 Mexico, um, which was um, called Maya isn't dead. Uh-huh. and because I think when we think about Maya we think about like the, the pyramids and Chichen Itza and Tikal and yeah. wasn't it mystical and magical and oh but they they died and they 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 became extinct and disappeared gone. by the time that the Spanish got there and that's it the civilization is over well that's not the case right that's that's not true because the language still exists descendants of this Mayan civilization or ancient I should say Mayan civilization yeah still exist and they still speak this language and they're still very proud of that in fact i say language there's multiple ones in a future episode is gonna we're gonna talk about um the most widely spoken mayan language um but yeah that one for me was a real a real joy because that was the first one where (laughs) it was like okay i need to find people on my own now (laughs) and i've never approached (laughs) these people but yeah it's it's just a really fun project it's been a, a, a joy to to meet and, and speak with all of these people about languages that I myself knew nothing or very little about to begin with as well. Right. You know, so I'm kind of learning along with the, with the listener and with the viewer, which is, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyone that would like to connect with that and want to learn things about that, I believe that's your episode about Maya isn't dead, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, I think it's episode five. Episode five, remember, right. Yeah. So I will put a link to that down in the description as well as all the language tools that we talked about here in the episode. Um, so that people can connect with them, people can go with them. These are some really, really fun stories. And I think it's it's good to kind of, it, it's very fresh, I believe, in the language field. So I'm really happy that it's it's come out. So make sure to check that out, everybody, if you want to learn about not only just the Mayan language, but learn about where these languages and how they evolve and kind of take on their own life. It's, so it's a really, really fun, not only tool, but it's something that it's, it's a little bit different than listening to your Tim Ferriss, your manga sensei. So it might be a little refreshing. But um. <laughs> My last, my last question that I usually ask people typically doesn't typically doesn't apply. But if poof, you suddenly had to start learning in this case Spanish all over again, what would you do? Oh, like what would I do differently, or just what would I do? <laughs> well, you can keep all the language that you language knowledge of how to learn a language that you you have now, but all the words and all the grammar has disappeared. It's gone. Yes. Oh, good question. Um. Oh, I don't know. I think, I think for me, I, I loved my introduction to, to Spanish in, in school and having uh-huh. a teacher. That was really helpful at the time because I was young, but right. I didn't know then how to learn a language on my own, right? So now right. I think that would be different. I probably wouldn't need that. What I would keep, what I would still need was Shakira. <laughs> so Shakira was a big reason for me starting Spanish because okay. I, I yeah. had this album that had a few Spanish songs and I was like, I want to translate that. And so that's one reason I started. And so I'd keep that because that kept me interested in the culture right. and gave me something to keep going. Uh-huh. I'd keep going to Costa Rica. So after about and, and, and stayed and 
kind of, I guess you could say, immersed myself with the language, even though I was teaching English in the daytime, right? Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, I was, I was there and I got a chance to just live the language rather than learn it in a classroom. So I'd keep that. I'd still do something similar to that. And I guess now things are so different to, to how it was back in the day. Um, I talk, memorize all the tools mentioned earlier. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. You've stumped me there. Stumped you there? Well, <laughs> if, you, if you would like to check out wonderful tools of how you do learn English, I think you give people a lot of good ground roots there to pick up for themselves. But I think mm. you still mentioned a good point on there. You would go and you'd find something you're passionate about. In this case, Shakira, which is something great mm. to be passionate about. Uh, <laughs> or in Japanese, you know, one okay rock guys, you know, get this, BZs, <laughs> Mr. Children, Bump of Chicken, you know, we got all the good bands. Um, <laughs> then you went and you found a way to connect with it in an in in educational way, the way that you learn with which was a wonderful language teacher. There's nothing wrong with having a good language teacher. I had, I've had many good Japanese teachers. I, if you ever want to listen to my Japanese teacher, look up the episode with Parker Andrus. He is the freaking man. I love this guy. He's the one who in, made me so I could learn Japanese. And then you you find a way to immerse yourself and actually use the language. You went to Costa Rica mm. and you had the opportunity to immerse mm. yourself. Even if you were speaking English at work, you were still had the opportunity to go and speak Spanish outside of work because life isn't all work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. So if people want to get in contact with you, how would they get in contact with you, Lindsay? The easiest way is lindsaydoeslanguages.com and then all the social media channels, of course, they're all, all connected on there. And then the podcast, Language Stories, that we mentioned, the podcast and video series. If you just type in lindsaydoeslanguages.com forward slash podcast, you'll get to that page as well. Perfect. And everything will be below in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. And remember, everybody, remember, after 10,000 mistakes, you become fluent. So let's make mistakes. She getting closer, gotta punch in, get to work, see me my sense, shut to mate, could I die now for she to cut the night, I say facts.